and, and Robert Kraft more than anyone should appreciate the you know the immorality of recording someone illegitimately um, oh, when yes. they're not expecting it. <laughs> oh, of course. Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. We're getting down to the business end of the season, and we're starting to see some separation. A lot of interesting bits coming up, and uh, oh, what's that? Is that the whirring of a camera in the background? <laughs> so hey, we got Connor here, and we got Fitz. Hello. And we have an unnamed man wearing a definitely not Patriots hoodie filming me from the corner of the room. Uh, how are you getting on in Cork? Ah, not too bad, you know. Christmas is quickly coming around the corner. I uh, got mm. the, the the work Christmas party coming up this week, but uh, oh, other than that, keeping it keeping it close to the chest for now, and then uh, getting well. My family doesn't really do gifts, so I'm just like putting money into envelopes mostly. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the cabin way. But oh, it certainly uh, is. Yeah. It <laughs> things up in the rack. Grand, yeah, yeah. I put in my leave request there for my. Uh, for my trip back to Ireland, I like it. Like it's a leave request. Like I'm not going to take the flights that I've already paid for. Like uh, <laughs> it's more of a goodbye. This is when you'll see me again. I hope you don't mind too much kind of scenario. But no, uh, no good, good bit mental in work at the moment. But uh, hoping that will all calm down the next few days, and I can then chill out for the weekend. Got plans for like uh, mulled wine and board games on Friday, so that should be good. Nice, nice. Mm. Well, yeah, so I suppose we should kick off into the news because lots of stuff happening around the league. Uh, so, uh, obviously, I mentioned at the top there, uh, New England, uh, as of today, have been caught recording Cincinnati at Cleveland game from the press box uh, against, as you'd imagine, rules about filming your opponents. And this is something that they have somewhat of a track record in, if you remember Spygate. So they've claimed that this is for a documentary series called Do Your Job. Uh, Cleveland were aware they were there, but hadn't informed the league or the Bengals that they were there. And obviously, New England are playing the Bengals this week. Uh, so there's a brigade of Patriots fans online saying, look, this is nothing to be giving a shit about. And yes, let's be honest, it sounds a bit stupid that New England would need to be filming Cincinnati to be able to beat Cincinnati. They're not a very good team. But, one, they have form in this exact type of thing, including direct quotes from the previous Spygate issue, where told, if you are caught, claim that you are doing a documentary series for Robert Kraft. <laughs> Which, um, Jesus, like, you couldn't have written it better. Uh, two, like, the thing, the thing that makes this funny is that it's, you know, Cincinnati, and they're not a good team. The thing to bear in mind is if they're caught doing it here, that doesn't mean it's not being done for other teams. It's just that they were caught in this instance. But at the end of the day, like you can probably get this film stuff for the most part by looking at the coach's film and checking sidelines and stuff. So like, what do you reckon, Ronan? Is this just a storm in a teacup or is this a serious issue? I think it'll mostly be a storm in a teacup because I think like, the Spygate thing, the recording ended up being, you know, it was done. It was done on private practices, though. So that's stuff that actually has, I suppose, more of a uh, of, of an implication. That's stuff that's not supposed to be seen. Whereas, you know, in, you know, in, incidentally recording the field while you're in the press box, as you say, the all twenty two is going to give you more information than that, most likely. Um, so unless they had like super high definition cameras to zoom in on the play calls of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, 
you know, like we like we saw in the Buffalo game, sometimes the the, the plays just come to you. Um, but <laughs> so that like just a reference that some of the screenshots that they gave uh, were flown onto the field from the Ravens sideline in that game, and yeah, then Stradivarius White took a quick uh, quick scout of him. Real professionals, uh, professional right there. Uh, but yeah, I don't unless other things emerge to give us indication that this has been something they've been doing all year long. Um, or it's part of a wider campaign, then I don't think it'll go further. They'll probably pick up a fine for this, nothing more. But to be honest, the, the main thing I appreciate about this is, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals, but also the fact that the documentary series is literally called Do Your Job, which is <laughs> hilarious. Either way, either they fucked up their job or it's kind of like a totalitarian like mantra sent down by Belichick before they went out there as on a spy mission. Do no, your job. Do your duty. Um, so either way, yeah, I don't think this will go any further to be a fine handed out. But uh, for yeah, now, I'm willing think... to give enough benefit of the doubt. I would give lots of benefit of the doubt for any other team. For this team, I'm 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 willing to err on the side of it's probably just a, a mistake here. Yeah, I'll be intrigued to see. There's a there's a when we're as we're recording this, there's an owners meeting on tomorrow, and I imagine that the owners are waiting to hear from uh, Robert Kraft on this issue, and then yeah. they'll and like you look at. Robert Kraft and him maybe sending in these 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 spy uh, filmographers to, to do it. And you're just wondering, how does he think he's going to pull that off? <laughs> well, I mean, he might have seen, like, uh, depositions or other things in, in recent uh, <laughs> situations that might have given him some tips and hints <laughs> that he passed on the bill. No, of course. And then, uh, <laughs> I, 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 as, as you may have heard as well, in their uh, game against Kansas City uh, this week, it was preceded by an equipment mix-up, which led to the potential forfeit of the game by Kansas City because uh, a lump of their equipment for the for the game landed to New Jersey instead of uh, Massachusetts. So it's an it's an interesting one. I'd I, I'd hazard a guess that there are uh, maybe a couple of people being paid off in the uh, luggage handling department there uh, <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, no, it should be uh, it should be never good. attribute to malice what could be explained by stupidity. Except if it involves the Patriots. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. has confirmed that he's been playing through a sports hernia. I was discussing this with a couple of guys on the weekend. Like, if anything reads to me like I'm having a down year and I need to get in front of this from a PR perspective, the I've got an ongoing issue kind of thing as a as a fallback for yeah. for, for the, the stuff. But then, but then uh, Baker came out and said that, well, he probably should have had surgery in the preseason then and then apologizes after throwing, I believe, the Browns' own staff under the bus uh, indirectly about it. Um, now, this obviously comes with the swirling rumors of Odell Beckham Jr. being unhappy there, looking for a trade. And uh, like like we said, we've said it a couple of times, this team seems like ill-disciplined, not just, just not mature, a bit kind of hot-headed and this kind of crap like the they win a game and then the entire story is about baker throwing some of their support and 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 uh training staff under the bus odell beckham not being happy all this kind of crap like it's just it's just a mess there in cleveland isn't it yeah and like like uh, this week Eric Ebron basically for, uh, reports indicate he forced his way into IOR because he's dealing with an ankle injury and they've been pumping it with like high level painkillers and I think Kalechi Osemele, we talked about the controversy there where the Jets were forcing him to play and forcing him to take cortisol uh, but then you have OBJ with the Fisher-Price version of it where I have a sports hernia which is one of the, it's not even a real hernia like sports hernias are just basically you have a persistent pain that's painful to work through um, and 
yeah, I don't. I think it probably did, does affect them because obviously wide receivers have to be more nubile, I suppose, than the average, like an offensive lineman or even perhaps a tight end. But he's looked okay doing it. I just think there's wider issues there. He's obviously unhappy. Um, I think like he, he he's made clarifying statements when certain comments were interpreted in a more negative way than perhaps he wanted for PR purposes. But it's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty certain there that Baker isn't happy with how the first year went um, and maybe he's looking to stand up for his guy to maybe try and keep him there, but that OBJ isn't happy with how things turned out. It's been a tough year, regardless of the injury, just that the situation has turned out with the team. A uh, very difficult year with the rookie head coach there. Um, so it's just, yeah, it, like, uh, you know, we t- like, if I think all the way back to our preseason previews, I talked about... You know, I thought this team, all the talent that they could do stuff, but I was worried about those warning signs that there was a lack of discipline in this team. There was a lack of control of this team. And what we've seen this this year is just that happening again and again. And to see OBJ having a controversy around them over, you know, he has an injury. Most players play through injury. Just gives an indication of where this team is at right now. And it's just not a good place to be. No, of course. Uh, like, like I said, Kitchens, I think, is pretty high up on my list of head coaches I'm expecting to get fired. I'm just like, maybe they won't because it's the first year and all that kind of stuff, but just it just doesn't seem to be an organization that's being run particularly well. Uh, there's reports that Carolina are going to trade quarterback Cam Newton in the offseason. This has obviously been floated a few times. They've just, uh, breaking news in our last show was the firing of uh, Riverboat Ron, uh, their head coach, I think of the last nine years, is it? Something like that? Yeah. Um, they said they're happy to hold out for a good deal. The thing is, Cam Newton is on a very cheap deal. I think he's only costing something like $18 million uh, for his rights next year. Um, Carolina, we discussed this earlier on when the rumors first came out. Like, There is definitely going to be a market for him. I don't know how big the offer will be, but if they could get him to play on that contract, like not have to bump him to a $30 million, I think they'd be more likely to take a risk on the higher pick that they'd give them uh like as as it stands a uh, quarterback who has been excellent but has a very very consistent injury history uh who's now past the 30 year mark or there thereabouts and is kind of a running type quarterback you're going to be worried about giving up a first round pick for him in in that instance but if you can get him for 18 million even for just the season then you're probably getting enough back with the potential to keep him longer term that you might be able to actually swing that past a front office and past a fan base, right? Yeah, and I think, like, you know, we know that certain head coaches, they prefer veteran quarterbacks, they prefer someone who kind of gets the game. Obviously, certain head coaches will be more intrigued by, obviously, his dual, uh, you know, threat aspect. And even even if he's a bit slower, I don't think that, like, he was always a power-based runner. He wasn't a, mm-hmm. a speed-based runner, so he could still be effective maybe more like late Tolbert than like his previous uh, situation. But I think he could still be effective on the ground to some extent. Um, And really, if you're picking up in a trade, you're probably doing this on the basis that you want to get results pretty much straight away. So that like, uh, like the problem is that there's not that many situations that really exist in the league next year uh, on paper, where that's something that might, might be obvious. Like, like, you know, most of these teams either have a solution 
or have have someone who's young enough that they don't want to give up on them yet. So like someone like Chicago, maybe, but like Trubisky has finally shown a little bit of spark now. So it's going to get tougher if Trubisky has a decent end of the year. Like Tampa Bay might be an obvious candidate. If Arians is still around, he might be intrigued by that idea, though I'm not sure how much you'd fit his system, uh, uh, especially if he's lost a bit of his throwing ability or his natural throwing because obviously yeah. his form isn't that good. And so I'm just looking through the league, even somewhere like Denver, which might have seen candidate Drew Locke's been pretty good last few weeks so it's kind of like you're going through the league and there isn't that many places and the places that would be in that situation aren't that likely to do it because of where they are like cincinnati or miami aren't yeah, like i said like i said my my, my my call for this is always going to be i reckon uh, we're in the silver and black in vegas yeah that's actually that's probably one of the better ones out there but yeah i think I, I think they'll be looking for at least one high first, and I think they'll be looking for. I think I said at the time. I think they'll try and hold out for two firsts. I'm just not sure if the market will be in the right position for them. There's certainly some years that I could see that happening. Uh, we've seen some worse quarterbacks get a lot more in, in previous years, but I think just the way the way different teams are aligned right now, and the fact there's not that many kind of, I suppose what I would call legacy coaches like the Caldwells or the Fishers mm-hmm. right now. Doesn't means that they might get a little bit less than they might hope for, um, and I expect them to. I expect them to trail it out. I don't expect them to just do a deal quickly. I think they're willing to trail it out, and if they end up having to play Cam next year, I don't think that's necessarily something that they would be that afraid of having a, in a QB competition. Um, no, of course, of course. Going forward, uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, that's uh, never never a bad spot to be in. And uh, finally, there's, there's a couple of stories coming out at the moment today about the Mazungus cleaning house, getting rid of their uh, front office staff as well as coaches and uh, a couple of bits like this. To be honest, to be expected, we'll we'll be expecting more details of this going on. But like they've been a failing organization for a number of years at this point, it's time to just clear house. And the only problem is it won't come with uh, changing the owner, and that's probably yeah. the, the main thing that they need to do. Yeah, pretty much. You need a better owner, uh, but unfortunately, that's not how uh, capitalism works. So. No, of course. Uh, let's have a look at injuries. There's been a lot of injuries around the league. Yeah, this week. Uh, it's like the first week in in a while where there's been like a full on like crisis almost since near the beginning of the year. Yeah, uh, so there's like uh, Ronan is into the playoffs in one of the one or two of the fantasy leagues that we are both in, and has been hit by the injury bug. Has to replace I think three to four players on a number of teams. So. Uh, Fun times for you. San Francisco coming off a good win. Lost at cornerback Richard Sherman for a few weeks to an MCL sprain. Uh, defensive end D4 to a hamstring. So that'll be three to four weeks. And uh, center Western Richburg has a torn patellar tendon. So he's gone for the season. So that is the two layers of their defense. And the guy who's snapping the ball is all gone uh, for the tail end of this season. It's it's it, particularly given that they're in a dogfight for trying to get that like you know number one or or to play up to that home field advantage kind of level. Uh, this is this is not great. Yeah, because like I think they they just got their offense back healthy. Like Kittle is back playing and looking okay. Emmanuel Sanders had a few knocks. Uh, and their their running backs have rotated a lot due to injury. Um, and now they lose Weston Richburg, who's been pretty good for them at the center. Their offensive line has been solid overall, and so they're going to have to replace that. And obviously Jimmy G will will have to you know transition to that. But I think obviously you know their success, particularly earlier in the season, was built upon that defense. And now you lose Richard Sherman. And I am not I'm not willing to go full to say like. Richard Sherman's kind of a Jenga piece in that defense. Mm-hmm. But I do think that when their defensive 
when they're cornerbacks in the Seattle system, which they're running there under Robert Sala, when when you get lower quality cornerbacks or cornerbacks who are even just less familiar with the specifics of the system, there's kind of stuff like kick step stuff that's very unique to that, then you could see a big fall. And obviously we just saw in the game gone by this week that the defense was already showing some frailty um, against New Orleans. And so you have to worry that... Um, this team is this team going to be a lot more shootouts going forward for the neutral. That's probably better because, you know, they had a few grinding wins earlier this year, but as a San Francisco fan for trying to maximize your chance of winning, it's definitely an issue. And D Ford has been effective in spot, but he was a spot rusher. So I think they can survive that. But I think Richard Sherman could end up being a massive loss there because they, they were already pretty thin at cornerback. Like a killer Witherspoon was a pretty pleasant surprise, but outside that they they really have no one that you would really trust. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Chicago, who have been a bit resurgent in recent times, are linebacker Rokon Smith has torn his pictorial and he's gone for the season. Uh, so obviously it kind of kills a lot of what their, like, and let's be honest, very outside hopes would be. But, uh, you know, they were, they, they've got a couple of teams that they could cause some issues for down the stretch, Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota. So that's a, that's a big loss for them. Um, like They've got resurgent offense, but he was kind of just key to their defense. Yeah, like that, yeah, like he... Hasn't quite got there yet, but I think he's been trending towards becoming the next, like, Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner type linebacker, that kind of, you know, quarterback of the defense, really, you know, oh, potential like, defensive player of the year situation. Look, like, it's, it's Chicago. How can you not just go, like, you know, Erlacher or Budkiss? Or well, there's been a generation since the Erlacher, so this is the next. Uh, true, true. Uh, yeah, but I suppose Erlacher is the more obvious one, even if he is a. Uh, but yeah, like I think they're playing. Have you seen that I have hair plugs? Aren't they great? <laughs> Please buy these hair plugs. Like they're playing Green Bay, Kansas City, and Minnesota in the final three weeks of the season. So they had obvious, they were an obvious spoiler candidate for all three of those teams. So even if you consider Chicago's playoff chance to be outside, and they are definitely outside uh, like the likely playoffs, they, they have a lot to do with how this season's going to turn out in the NFC and to the in the AFC. So I think to lose this caliber of player off that defense, and obviously they're still a defense first team, even with the improvements to Trubisky in the offense, um, yeah, probably makes them a little bit less dangerous for those three teams. They'll be happy yeah. that this injury has occurred. Uh, insofar, yeah, so- you can accept that it's a bad thing in general, but good for your results. Yeah. Uh, Seattle lost a running back Rashad Penny he's torn his ACL and he's gone for the season so obviously big play back for them uh, they've got some other players in there that can that can help rotate around but uh, it, it, it's going to harm you down the stretch yeah like I think it basically reverts us to like the first half of the season where Chris Carson was basically toting the ball a lot and Chris Carson is a great runner he's done great things but he, he lacks that uh, kind of explosive second level special ability. He's unlikely. He's unlikely to take it for a home run. Basically, if he gets into the second level, whereas Rashad Penny, who was carrying a knock earlier in the year, when he was getting healthy the last month or so, you saw that he was capable of ripping off those 50, 60 yard type runs, which just added a little bit of big playability outside of mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, basically from the run game. So I do think he was adding a really good complement to. Carson, basically meaning Carson wasn't being overused, but based on this, Carson is going to go back to the bell cow back. He's going to be getting a lot of carries. We'll see how he holds up in the playoffs. 
Yeah, Philadelphia, who already had no wide receivers, now have less. Uh, Oshan Jeffries injured his ankle. He's week to week, but like, you know, who knows at this point. Uh, means they have Greg Ward and JC Arcega Whiteside as their wide receivers, who also themselves got injured in the game, uh, leading to, I believe, their backup quarterback being the emergency wide receiver who'd have to go in if anyone <laughs> couldn't take a snap, which is lovely. Like, this is nothing new to Philly at the moment, but it's just depressing to, to watch the, this team that everyone kind of probably had a lot of hope going into the season four just just turn into nothing like yeah and it, it's 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 just yeah it's it's really bad because obviously we've seen philly um regress a lot without well basically Wentz this was in particular regress a lot without having any decent wide receiver support and the fact that they're now hoping that nelson aguilar gets back soon from his injury to miss causing the miss this week gives you an indication of where they are because nelson aguilar is not that good a player let's be honest like no hands aguilar um, no, so, yeah, course. Greg Ward, which sounds like an accountant from like from Essex, and Arcega <laughs> Whiteside, who has a much cooler name. Yeah, they're going to be a lot more reliant on those than they probably want to be based on their play so far this season. But lots no. more Zach Ertz, so I suppose that's something. Yeah, Atlanta have hit a couple of injuries. So Calvin Ridley, their young receiver, who's been doing very well, has injured his abdomen. He's gone for the season. They've also lost Desmond Trufant, who broke his arm. Um, yeah, like they are, they were not a playoff relevant team, but they had had a couple of up games and were playing San Fran, who were also suffering their own injuries. But this just means it's less likely that Atlanta will be able to play spoiler. Uh, Tampa Bay's wide receiver Mike Evans. Now this is a this is a, an unfortunate one. Uh, while scoring a touchdown, injured his hamstring, and he's now week to week with a decent chance of missing the rest of the season. Again, p- chance to play spoiler. They play Houston in week sixteen, but uh, yeah, I just I yeah, it's a it's a yeah, pity. There's, there's, think- an, there's an interesting statistic I was reading today that Jameis Winston has the potential at his current pace if he had a couple of good games. To lead the league in passing yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. That's which an amazing, <laughs> phenomenal line, really. Hey, the 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 guy's got balls. Uh, <laughs> mm. Um, or no sense, but yeah, like Mike Evans. Uh, I think they said his ha- it was the hamstring. It was only a strain, so there is a chance that he could play if they wanted to. Um, perhaps for one of the two games they have after this week. He's out this week. Um. I don't know why they would, but they haven't ruled it out yet. But should probably just shut him down. Um, yeah. But they, the only relevant game they have left is like at Houston in Week 16. Um, and to be honest, Houston are probably in the four seed, uh, three seed at best. So it's not even that relevant, to be honest. Yeah, we'll see. Um, the Giants quarterback Daniel Jones is out for two to four weeks with an ankle injury. He missed last week's game, and we'll discuss that in a bit. It means we'll just get Eli for the next two or three games. Uh, safety Jabril Peppers is injured his back, and he's gone for the season as well. Eli has dropped below a career uh, winning percentage of 500, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, probably a, a sad end to the 8-10 on career. And the Mazungus running back Darius Geis has an MCL sprain his week-to-week, which is to be honest, good news, because watching that live, you kind of winced and went, oh, no, like, his legs yeah. have been what have stopped him up till now. I think the reports are now a little bit more negative. I think they're erring towards he could possibly play, but we're probably going to shut him down. Well, this is the thing. Like, there's no point in playing him. It's a lost yeah. season. Even though I know that I think technically we could still finish in a four-way tie for the uh, NFC East at this point. Um by the way, fun fact, they are two losses away from being the worst divisional record in the history of the NFL. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well done. Uh, cause, <laughs> cause I think they've got a guaranteed 
five and five from games left within the division, but then they've got a couple more uh, to share around them. So uh, yeah, as long as they, as long as they lose two or more of them, they. Uh, uh, they I, they're going to play. Here's, here's a fun fact. Do you, do you yeah. know Do you know what division held it from beforehand? NFC West. Yes, 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 yes. Do you remember the year? Seven and nine playoffs. Uh, yeah, seven and nine playoffs. He's quick. Or whatever. Like, mm. <laughs> I think like the the, the Mazingers are playing Philly and Dallas, so they are spoiler relevant for the mm. NFC East, which is the worst. Uh, but to be fair, Adrian Peterson has looked not as good as guys, but perfectly adequate in that bell cow role. So they'll be fine. Yeah. He's uh, he's going to get a little bit more time to go towards those uh, those all time records that he's looking after. And Indianapolis kicker Adam Vinatieri is injured his knee and he's out for the season. You got to expect the retirement is coming. He's hinted at it about five times this season already and hasn't had a great uh, great run of it. Chase McLaughlin will be filling in for now, but uh, see Vinatieri a long storied career. We'll keep an eye on whether he ends up retiring. Uh, speaking of kickers, Dallas have signed uh, Kai's Kai Kai Forbath. Kai's Kai. Uh, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> like gotten re- replaces Brett Maher in this point. So Kai Forbath came in for the Patriots, went two of three, and then was instantly cut uh, to be replaced a day before the game by a guy who just like came out of appendix surgery. So <laughs> I don't know if Dallas are really expecting that much out of this guy at this point. Yeah. Uh, and it intersects with the last wing where I think Indianapolis signed Chase McLaughlin. Um, to replace Vinatieri, and now he's probably going to play for the rest of the year. And apparently, he the Indianapolis had higher waiver priority than New England, who were going to claim Chase McLaughlin. So the kicker fraternity is a is a tight fraternity. Uh, but Brett Maher hasn't been good this year, uh, perhaps due to the injury he's been carrying. But uh, apparently, uh, just before he got cut, um, he had been going seeing sick children in uh in the in the hospital. Oh god! <laughs> and then he was brought back to home and then cut unceremoniously mm. afterwards. Awful, awful. Uh, Carolina extended linebacker Shaq Thompson, four years, fifty-four million. Uh, makes sense. He's a good player. Makes sense to extend him. I am a. The timing confuses me somewhat, given that you know they're changing coaches and all that kind of stuff. And I know Shaq Thompson is a good player, and you want to lock down your good players. But I think I think this is one of those ones where. They like I'd say Tepper, the owner, and we'll talk more about the owner. I think the question about Ron Rivera's replacement, but uh, I think Tepper might be making some decisions already for himself, and Shaq Thompson, from the people that he trusts inside, is probably one of those pieces that you could get on a decent deal. This is not too bad for a linebacker, um, and is a building block to so just get out of the way quickly. No, of course. And uh, Baltimore send running back defensive tackle. Yes, you heard that right. Running back defensive tackle, Patrick well, Ricard. I was running thinking, back I was slash about fullback guy. slash defensive tackle, I believe. Yeah, it's, 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 is he the only or one of the only uh, two-way players in the NFL at the moment? Yeah, like it's pretty much unheard of to be a, like a, a was it an Ironman athlete these days. But uh, mm. yeah, he's a fullback slash running back slash defensive tackle. Uh, this he's not he doesn't. Like obviously the fullbacks are the one he does the most often or is remembered for because that's the only thing he's the only fullback on that team. But uh, yeah, like I'm gonna give some love out for the fullbacks and the Ironman. So well done, Patrick Ricard. Uh, look forward to seeing more of that all action uh, American hero stuff uh, for the next few years. Excellent. And obviously uh, we've there's other bits and pieces, but we try to focus mostly on the the, the playoff relevant teams. So we'll move on. We'll take a quick look at all the games from last week. So we'll try and be quicker on these this week. Uh, 
Dallas at Chicago, 24 to 31. Uh, Dallas collapses, the, as you dubbed it the last day, the Trubonissance or whatever, <laughs> continues. <laughs> 244 <laughs> yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Uh, like, pretty open reads. Not a very impressive defense from Dallas, to be honest. Um, like, Dallas started well and then just disappeared. Dak was all right. But, yeah, they're just... I, 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 uh, Dak one, is not the problem. Like, the offense oh. is fine. Maybe a little bit overhyped. But the, the statistics are good, and I, and I think they... They're maybe a little more inconsistent than their DVOA or whatever says, or, or Pro Football Focus, or whatever. But it's but it's the the offense is fine, but the defense is shocking. It's awful. It's terrible. It's not doing anything. It's giving open reads, which means that Trubisky basically was allowed to just do whatever he wants. And running running from quarterbacks in particular has been killing them all year. Like Jeff Driscoll killed them earlier this year. Now Trubisky killed them. Um, I, I can only imagine what Lamar Jackson would do to them. Um, but basically, you know, we know what they're going to do. But maybe this is going to have a problem. Like, obviously, they have offensive defensive staff there, uh, like Chris Richard from the Seattle system. And there's always been a problem with Seattle defensive coordinators that they tend to be a little bit formulaic. They tend to stick to the Seattle system, which is about execution rather than defensive innovation. And right now, they're not executing. They're not doing anything. They're not showing up to do their job and I know they're dealing with some some injuries occasionally but like they're mostly healthy they're not that different from what they had last year but for whatever reason uh, Marinelli and Richard they've been figured out and they're giving away 31 points to Trubisky and you know the offense can do a lot but at the end of the day if you give up 30 points to a bad offense you're not going to win games in the NFL and for Chicago they keep their slim playoff hopes for life but I think Trubisky's one of those, like with any quarterback, but Trubisky in particular, you know, you, you heard about the story about him like wanting the televisions turned off. I think a little bit of confidence could go a long way and him getting willing to run a bit more will definitely help his game as well. Um, and the D we know is fine. So uh, maybe Chicago can act as spoilers we talked about going forward. Yeah, like like I said, just at the NFC East, like it's literally a question of who wants it less. Like they're just fighting to not get into the playoffs at this point. They're just awful all round. Chicago do an okay job, but again, like don't don't get too full of yourselves. Don't get like, you know, Oakland beating the Bengals here. This is uh this is a poor Dallas team that you just beat on a Thursday night game. Uh, Indianapolis at Tampa Bay, uh yeah, thirty five to thirty eight. It was a fun game. Jameis was very Jameis in it, like I said, nearly five hundred yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, some beautiful throws in there, some terrible, terrible uh, picks. This game just constantly was happening, and I forgot it was happening, and it would just come <laughs> back on the television, and then it would be, oh, yeah, this is now uh, still within a score, and it, they both scored 30-something points. And went, what the hell is going on? Uh, Darius Leonard looked great, pick six. Indianapolis offense had some nice plays. Uh, they had still injuries kind of killing them at the moment, but you can see they're not built for for these kind of like high octane games and it was mostly James Winston that kept them in this game to be honest so uh, an entertaining lark but yeah like yeah. nothing nothing of substance here uh very Baltimore Tampa Bay game basically. yeah it was very Tampa Bay uh Baltimore Buffalo 24 to 17 this was a very very good game Baltimore grinded out in the fourth quarter uh, with a big uh, with a big stop but um like Buffalo slowed down Lamar here uh, 145 yards, three touchdowns, an interception, and like 40 on the ground. It was it was good. Uh, the problem was that their offense really just didn't get up to a huge amount in here. Like Singletary looked good, 
but they were still like just inconsistent. They weren't the the defense kept them in the game, but their offense was just unable to do anything. And I don't know if that was just Baltimore because Baltimore do have an excellent excellent defense. They're not taking anything away from them, but like yeah, like Buffalo didn't look like they were a million miles behind Baltimore. Yeah. They didn't look at the same level, but they didn't look completely outclassed. Yeah, I, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think like the problem for the Josh Allen Bills offense is that it's not consistent. They don't have a, they don't really have a good enough run game, even with Singletary looking pretty good at like five point two a carry. Um, but you you do need the pass game to do stuff. And Allen just on short throws, on just like quick reads, just doesn't look that good at it and they have someone like Cole Beasley who is capable of doing those type of of those routes and doing that type of stuff for you on a fairly regular basis but just Josh Allen just isn't ready and they've obviously built their offense around that they had a fair number of deep shots to to John Brown but none of those really came off in this game and so instead you had Allen sitting in the pocket and getting smashed and to be honest he could have been sacked several more times it required him to basically do some ridiculous acrobatics to get out of the situation I think for Baltimore Maybe they'll be a little bit worried that their offense was a little is getting figured out a little bit because I think things have slowed down a little bit the last couple of weeks compared to where they were a couple months ago. Uh, but I think at this stage of the season, you're mostly just looking to grind out wins in a tough place like Buffalo, get out of there. Hopefully, mostly healthy. I think Lamar might have picked up a small knock. Well, well I don't it's questionable right now, but probably fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for them, it's just like tough grinding win, get the job done. Um, hopefully, they'll, they're probably saving a few things in their pocket for the playoffs if they were to meet again. No, that's it. Uh, Detroit and Minnesota, 7-20. to 20. Uh, yeah. Like, this was literally, just Minnesota got up early and then they just ground out the clock. They had like 40 runs to 30 like pass attempts and basically didn't really need to do much. Um, they'll have tougher challenges ahead, uh, relatively speaking, like the Chargers, Green Bay, maybe Chicago. Um, but like Daniel Hunter's the only one who who kind of had a good day. He had three of the five sacks he had. David Blau isn't doing anything. Um, the hype from that one quarter when he started is pretty pretty much dissipated. Did you say he's performing below expectations? <laughs> yes, below expectations. So right now, without Matt Stafford, Detroit is winding down the clock, and uh, you know, onto the twenty twenty is basically what they're thinking of right now. No, of course, Washington and Green Bay fifteen to twenty. Yeah, like Green Bay struggled. Uh, they got up early and then they just let Washington back into the game. I don't know why when we're watching this Green Bay team, like at, at times look like they're struggling with the Mazungus. I don't know how these guys are. Are they like the, the second or third seed in the NFC at the moment? Yes, I believe they're second seed, second I think. Is it? Right yeah. So they lead on Aaron Jones, like 130 yards on the ground, another 60 in the air, touchdown. Defense played well. Like, Honestly, if it wasn't for the injury to Geis, you could see the Mzungus possibly taking this a lot tougher. Maybe that changes the outlook of the game. But, like, yeah, like the rookie Terry Lockton had a nice catch at the end. Haskins looked a little bit better. Only one interception in this game. Um, but, yeah. yeah just like, needs to avoid those fucking socks, sacks, to be honest. Yeah. Like, Green Bay don't look all that intimidating at the moment. Uh, yeah. So we'll see if that changes over time. Denver at Houston, this was a surprise. Like, it says 38 to 24. But let's be honest, this was like 33 to 3 or something going into the half. Yeah, yeah this was basically a, a, a knockout blow from Denver in the first half. And they, they held off Houston mostly easily in the second half. Like, they got 24 points, but they, they really had to earn it. Like, Drew Locke. 
he locked it up. He, he's looking pretty sweet <laughs> right now. 300 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. Um, and he looks good. And it's surprising. And no one wants to do it. And busy. It's, it's basically best case scenario, um, given where they were at midseason for John Elway, because now everyone's going to come into next season thinking Drew Locke is the franchise quarterback and the mm-hmm. questions to go. But the real star here for Denver was really Kareem Jackson in a revenge game, getting a uh, uh, getting a return TD uh, from a lateral from his teammate and getting a pick for himself. Uh, sorry, he got two picks for himself, actually. Uh, so Kareem Jackson had himself a day. And like Houston, yeah, they put together yards late, but you saw that their defense isn't good and it's getting worse at almost fields. Um, but they, you know, they couldn't save themselves in a 31-3 deficit. And, you know, after that big win against New England, you know, they throw away the momentum and now they're firmly in that four max three seed situation. So I don't know, Houston, they're just such a, they're not, you just can't trust them week to week, but uh, they do, they have their up moments, but yeah, right now you just can't trust them. No, of course. Uh, Then we move on to San Francisco at new Orleans. This was a hell of a game, 48 to 46, big back and forth. uh, Kittle at the end, getting the big first down plus a face mask to add another 15 onto it to set up the winning They're shoving guys. Oh yeah. Three guys (laughs) on them. Like, and then they had the face mask and be under the ground. Breeze looked very good. Thomas and Cook looked great. Kamara, I was surprised by this. Kamara turned up on the the PFF uh, worst team of the week. He had their worst grade, which I was not expecting to see at all. Uh, Like 1.9 yards per carry, I think, or something like that. Uh, Sanders had a hell of a day, 160 nearly touchdown and a passing touchdown. Uh, But yeah, just... This was this was very exciting. Reminded me a bit of the the Chiefs Rams Monday Night Football game from last year. That just like good defensive plays, great offensive plays, very good coaching back and forth, ad- adaptation from both teams, and like yeah, it was just it was just great to see. Big win for San Fran to get that in New Orleans. Yeah, and I think it's it's a testament to these two head coaches that you know two teams that have pretty good defenses. Uh, albeit San Francisco's a little bit banged up and we you know San Francisco, like uh, New Orleans can be a little bit inconsistent, looked like, you know, Mickey Mouse level against these two offenses, which just absolutely went apeshit. Like, I think on uh, New Orleans side, I think the, the nicest thing they saw is that, like, they still, like, the base of their offense is still Michael Thomas, but you saw mm-hmm. a few nice deep, deep throws or, like, at least intermediate deep throws to, like, to Jared Cook from Drew Brees. And if they can get that deep pass element back into their game, the traditional New Orleans element, and hopefully get the run game going a little bit, even if that requires mixing in more Latavius Murray, then this offense, that could get back to where we expect the New Orleans offense to be, and they'll be incredibly dangerous down the stretch and in the playoffs. And as for San Francisco, I think, you know, they leaned on their defense for most of this season, but the fact that the last year, like the last, like three or four weeks, they've started to lean more on their offense. Jimmy G looked pretty good. Emmanuel Sanders, who has had a down couple of weeks, suddenly comes back in. Jim, like obviously Kittle gets the, you know, game finishing play to set up the field goal. And then, you know, Raheem Mostert's coming out of nowhere and Debo Samuel's coming out and they're adding in a lot of extra yards. So I think, you know, that offense is getting going and adding to a defense, which if it gets healthy again in time for the playoffs, should still be a solid unit. So I think, you know, in the first half we saw these two teams go full offensive tilt like over like i think near over 60 points in the first half or very near 60 points in the mm. first half i think 
slow down a little bit in the third quarter, but then we saw that when both teams were desperate for points, things ramped up again. And obviously, you know, the, the field goal that won for San Francisco had been preceded by a, a similar, uh, you know, a three-minute drill or so for New Orleans. So I think for both these teams, huge performance. Both shows their upside and their potential. And I think for New Orleans, they're going to be sickened by this and they're kind of getting used to be sickened about these type of results. Um, but I think... With the way that San Francisco's schedule wraps out, I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans can sneak back in to being in the in the one or two seed at this point. But uh, yeah, great game, game of the year. Mm. And yeah, if if you haven't seen it, then this is one you can definitely catch in full on Game Pass. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, we've got a few that were a little bit uh, less entertaining. Cincinnati, Cleveland, nineteen twenty-seven. Cleveland put Cincinnati away in the end, but Baker was not good. Less than fifty percent of his passes completed. Two interceptions. Uh, Chubb and Hunt combined for nearly two hundred yards. Uh, they were they were good. Baker was bad. Dalton struggled. He got yards, but nothing really came out of them. The only big bright spot in this was Mixon. He had nearly one hundred and fifty yards and a touchdown. Yeah, just not both not looking like great teams. Like. Cincinnati have the worst run defense. Just run at Cleveland. Jesus fucking Christ, this isn't hard. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you've got two good backs there. Like, yeah. just just cop on. Carolina, Atlanta, twenty to forty. Roman, yeah, this was, was one sided. Bad game. Like Carolina, kind of feel like where Atlanta were earlier in the season, just kind of out of steam, out of point. And Atlanta, like, combined their usual offensive output with the highlight. I think they had like nearly five hundred yards, and the, with the highlight of a. Ultimately, Zacchaeus, 93-yard touchdown. Uh, well known right there. Zacchaeus, that's like the name of the, the tax collector in the Bible, I believe. Isn't that Zacharias um, or something? I thought that's Zacchaeus. But anyway. Well, maybe it's Zacchaeus. I'm uh, thinking of Dr. Zacchaeus, Dr. Zacchaeus. Am I alive? Alive O's, you know. Uh, mm. <laughs> but uh, but they had decent D as well. Five sacks and two, t- and two interceptions here. But Carolina outside runs DMC, who gets another 135 yards. Completely useless. Their run defense was exposed despite the fact that Atlanta's run offense is shit. And yeah, it's just, you know, basically Carolina right now are, are among the worst teams in the league. And obviously with the change in coaching staff, a lot of players are going to be looking on the outside in come if they allow this kind of collapse to continue, you imagine. No, of course. But maybe they just, oh, they're going to get cut. So that's why they're, they're giving up. Oh yeah. Miami, the Jets, 21 to 22, incredibly close field game battle. Seven of eight field goals for Miami. Uh, yeah, Darnold threw two touchdowns and three field goals from Ficken. Uh, this, I think the kicker Saunders was like was signed that week or whatever. Was one away from the uh, one away from the record, which would have been a great scrappy game. Darnold did all right, 250, 60 yards and two touchdowns. Miami had some exciting play calls, some bits like that that are fun. Oh. But yeah, just nothing, nothing much happening. <laughs> Not magic doing up. like. Uh laterals on the hoof like oh yeah just, just, just have the crack <laughs> like, like running 15 yards downfield and doing a lateral this makes sense <laughs> mm. uh, there was a big big dpi call overturned at the end that set up the new york uh field goal to win but uh yeah like two nothing teams nice to see the jets get a win there miami probably like getting the loss and sure they can lock down that probably i think what third spot in the in the in the uh, upcoming draft, but yeah, not much there. Uh, Chargers at Jacksonville, ooh, 45 to 10. Yeah, Jacksonville right now are the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Uh, like Minshew, Magic, he's back, but he's not doing anything. Like at 162 yards and a touchdown. Um, most of that was in garbage time. So Jacksonville are just spiraling hard. That's a team that's doing a full rebuild in the offseason. There's not much really to say about them. Uh, 
you know, they'll probably have the same two quarterbacks potentially, but whatever. Um, you know, good day for the Chargers. Eckler went off like over 200 yards and a touchdown. And I think the only interesting things for the Chargers, because obviously both these teams are likely to have change in the offseason, is that, you know, they were up a lot, but obviously they're out of the playoffs really. But Philip Rivers on his 38th birthday was given a rest um, for Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor in the fourth quarter. Now, whether that rest is something that he would have wanted or not, considering mm. where the team might be going and whether some of the things you talked about last week in terms of trying out Tyrod. Um, uh, did, did, rest- did, I, did, did I or did I not say my big prediction was that uh, Rivers would get benched? Now, I might have thought for <laughs> the exact opposite reason. But, but yeah, so... Was this just, uh, you know, protect the veteran quarterback or was this uh, conspiracy theory them preparing for post-Rivers life? We'll never know. But regardless, the Chargers get a nice pick-me-up after what's been a pretty tough season. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City, New England, 23-16. to New England comeback falls down on uh, fourth down as Breland stops the, uh, the pass going in. There was questionable refereeing in this game. A fumble that was blown dead early in a short spot on a touchdown. Um yeah, like overall, the the Chiefs were dominant for the first probably two and a half, three quarters, and then it just kind of went into kind of shell mode. I always hate this like this Andy Reid kind of play hard to a certain point and then just go completely into well, we've got enough of a lead, we don't need to keep playing. Especially because um, you see on the field that Pat Mahomes is always like, let's go, let's go up for yeah, it, let's do for it. Yeah, no, Pat, throw the wheel route. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mahomes looked pretty decent, 282 yards, touchdown and interception, a uh, bit of movement on the ground as well. The defense, Spags did a great job here. Uh, they're constantly harassing the New England player, three sacks and an interception, a lot of tackles for loss in this game. They were just getting all over them and sending so, the pressure. Uh, I think you also saw that, I think it's, it's even more frustrating for New England. I think New England kind of solved or knew what they needed to do to beat the defense but Tom Brady mightn't be capable of doing anymore, which is to basically uh, isolate the high safety and have a one-on-one matchup mm-hmm. and throw it deep. And there was a couple of chances there. I think they got a PI in one of them, but there was a couple of chances there that, you know, Brady, because he wasn't getting time to do those throws, um, wasn't getting success they might have had maybe if Brady was a, a little bit younger or a little bit healthier right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it was really interesting. We'll see how, how it goes in the playoffs. Maybe there'll be a more ready for that uh, oh, but like course. New England you know the offense is so reliant on their little tricks another trick play here you know like flea flickers and passes like that um, but you know it, it can only cover up so much that's the problem with the fundamentals of the team the fact yeah. that they only have two receivers that he trusts and one of them is his running back James White and he just like he looks at Jacoby Myers and he's like what are you doing like just catch the damn ball and <laughs> uh, yeah like I think like the referee situation, yes, they kind of got screwed over and it is kind of hilarious that Bill Belichick ended up running out of challenges, um, albeit that the uh, he used up a second challenge for to get that fumble that ended up that wasn't returned. So I think they didn't even call the fumble on the field, by the way. So he was trying to overturn the fumble. And then, but because obviously they played it dead, it, it couldn't have been returned for a touchdown, even mm-hmm. if they overturned. Uh, but that was a challenge that prevented them from being able to challenge the early uh, basically the spot uh, for the running back uh, basically he was in for a touchdown but they said he was out in the three yard line um, so 
The, yeah. the New England fans are pretty salty, but come on, New England. They booed, like, this is karma. They booed their own team at halftime yeah. because they were bad in the first half. That's karma, bitches. If you boo your own team when you're like, you have two losses in the season and you've had six Super Bowls, then yeah, you deserve some bad luck. Learn it. Because oh, you're going to have a lot more shit on your face when, like, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are gone. And to be honest, you're going to deserve a bit of it, to be honest, at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. Like the thing is, because like I I agree entirely that there are some some of the calls which is terrible, but they also had terrible calls going both ways. Like Hightower hit Mahomes out of bounds horribly, ran him into an ice chest, and no flag came in whatsoever. There was ghost OPI calls in spots. There was crazy bits and pieces being called and not called, and it it was a shocking piece of shit refereeing crew and they shouldn't be involved in any game at all but that cuts both ways the difference in those mistaken calls is three points because they or sorry four points because they got a touchdown at the end of them uh and realistically you don't know how the game changes beyond that but yeah just like calm down in it and stop talking like the world is fucking imploding because one or two calls didn't go your way for a change wah 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 I know. Salty, we lost salty. three games instead of two. Wow. <laughs> and now the Bills are going to knock it up to four in two weeks' time. Uh, <laughs> it'll be so great. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee at Oakland, forty-two to twenty-one. Uh, yeah, Tennessee pulled away in the second half, exactly like we thought they would. Tannehill has a good game, three hundred ninety yards, three touchdowns. AJ Brown goes off for one hundred and fifteen two touchdowns. Great and after Hen- the catch, great after the catch that play. Oh yeah, and Henry continues, you know, over a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was Oakland looked okay at the start, but like they just didn't really have much going. I think you could really see the. Josh Jacobs had a had a fractured shoulder, I think it was, so he wasn't playing. You can see just how much of their offense runs through him. They weren't getting the production from the other players, so like, they were never really at the races in this it's one. It's like Darren Waller is not an explosive offense by himself, and in a boat race that was just exposed so heavily as the game went on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh at Arizona, 23-17. to 17. Yeah, um, an important game, but not a very fun game. No, like, yeah, this was Pittsburgh, like, eventually kill off Arizona, Kyler had, I think, probably his worst game of the year. Uh, four sacks, Sacked three interceptions. Four times, three interceptions, yeah. Yeah, like, Doug Hodgins was efficient but boring, which is weird because, like, I've seen him go downfield a bit more and stuff, and, like, he does have that ability. That yeah, well, I think he added a couple of nice throws to Deontay Johnson in this game, uh, who also the return touchdown was very nice, Deontay Johnson. So mm. I, think, I think that's more play calling than necessarily Duck being, like, like Mason Rudolph not able to do it. I think mm. I think I think they're trying to keep it safe with him, but I think if they needed to put him in a more aggressive offense or like they had to catch up, they might I think he might have a little bit more in his pocket than he's willing to show earlier. But uh, I think Pittsburgh could have closed this game out earlier. Um they kind of ended up kind of giving the game back to Arizona similar I suppose to how KC have done recently. Mm. Um but yeah Arizona just they, they never really looked at the races. The run game did nothing. Kyler was under harassment just sitting back trying to create plays and ended up getting sacked. Um and so for Pittsburgh they keep grinding towards along with Tennessee that to that sixth spot. Um uh but to be honest there's still not enough upside for me to be really that interested in them as a team. But you know it's well well done Mike Tomlin if you get them to the playoffs, but I don't want to see your team in, in prime time in the playoffs. But like no, I, I don't either. Well done. Lifetime achievement award, whatever. 
Seattle went, yeah, Seattle went to the Rams 12 to 28. Your boys got a bit of a kick in there, Fitz. Yeah, not usual Seattle get kicked in Sunday night football, but the Rams are notoriously really good at picking up yards against Seattle, and it was the same here. Like their crossing pattern based offense, kind of like what they've well, without the like the deep play elements, basically looked like their previous offense, but like there was just some things like they couldn't stop. Todd Gurley or God Gurley over 100 yards of touchdown uh, but I think the worst thing was like they ran like I think like six or seven sweep plays and all of them went for at least eight yards and I was just exposed the fact that like they were always in their base defense and they didn't have enough speed to kind of stop what the Rams are throwing at them and once again that kind of Seattle problem that they don't they don't have adjustments they just say do your job better um, like Seattle and, and Wilson were hurt by a few drops early on that put them in the hole. And then once they were in the hole and not having Rashad Penny to make the run game more explosive, I think you see that, you know, their offensive line, you know, big guys, solid, but they're not great at holding up against the likes of Aaron Donald for more than a few seconds, basically. Um, so I think for Seattle, they don't want to be behind. And this is one of those games where that was exposed. The only fun thing in this was that, uh, they came out of a timeout on uh, one occasion and the cheerleaders were still on the field. So the referees had to shoo them off and say, <laughs> uh, can the cheerleaders leave the field? And the uh, Rams mascot, dressed as a ram, was basically kind of like doing a like horn, <laughs> like a horn rush at them to get them off the field as well. <laughs> so that, that's probably the most notable came out of this. But a nice win for Rams to keep them relevant in the playoff hunt. But I still expect that Minnesota can get enough, and Seattle can get enough wins that they might end up looking in late. So, you know, they're looking good now, but you probably could have done with doing this earlier in the season, to be honest. No, of course. Uh, finally, the Giants at Philadelphia, 70-23 to in overtime. Uh, at one point... Uh, Philly, I think it was halftime, they were down 17-3. to I think they had something like, was it three yards to their wide receivers at that point? It was brutal. Because um, the Jeffrey injury came in, and then finally, you know, Ertz got into the game, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Boston Scott had 128 all-purpose yards. Like, they kind of got there. Eli was okay in the first half, and then kind of fell apart a little bit in the second half. Um, yeah, this was just too shit teams yeah like <laughs> playing the prime time like it was fact, it was the fact this game was relevant is an indictment of the nfc east like philly don't look like a good team they're obviously injury ravaged but i do think there's been wider problems maybe with that team as well um and the fact that they have a good chance of being in the playoffs obviously a big game in week 16 against dallas to decide that probably is just bad because i think dallas at least have a bit more upside right now they have that really explosive offense when it gets going whereas Philly just looked pointless, to be honest. And yeah, the only good point for for the Giants is that Eli didn't look completely useless. Um, and Darius Slayton had a nice game. So, you know, it's a young rookie getting some production there. Um, and considering their wide receiver core, like Shepard Hanks getting near to his contract, Tate, I don't know how long they'll stick with him. Having a young, promising player like that's always nice. Yeah, no, of course. Um, as you said, that game drops Eli below 500 for his career winning percentage, so we'll see if they can turn that around next week. And we'll take over to some questions from the listeners. So, first up, this is one that came in late for last week's podcast, came in from Emmett, and he said, uh, who are some objectively not terrible coaches the Panthers could hire? Um, well, supposed to hire good coaches, not, not terrible coaches. Because, like, Someone like Mike McCarthy is a not terrible coach, but I probably wouldn't hire him uh, right now. 
yeah. but like I suppose if it's a good coach, like I've said it before, I think Jim Harbaugh, I think you should bring him back to the NFL. I think the Harbaugh's are like yeah. they're good football teams. And I think like I think Harbaugh does better with, with professionals than he does with college kids. I think he's gone back to college and I think he struggled the fact that they're kids, like and, and it's just not the same kind of system. It's like 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 the third Van Wilder movie. It just doesn't do the same. <laughs> yeah, like um, there, there's yeah, I, I think the one interesting thing about this, I, I I don't know enough about the college game to really give a strong opinion on who they could bring in, but David Tepper, he's a young owner from the hedge fund industry. Um, you'd imagine he might be bringing an analytics approach to this, which might gel better with a kind of younger offense-oriented coach. The biggest problem, though, is that, well, they've been in high demand for the last three years, so I don't know where you're going to get one who's actually good over market um, at this stage in the game. Um, so I think this is def- I think Carolina are definitely a candidate to go outside the box, maybe get someone a bit interesting, given where their or- organization situation is. Yeah, possibly. Like, um, I think there's a couple of names which are kind of always going to come up at this point. So you're going to have your... Uh, Eric Bieniemy is probably a hot hire mention at the moment. Uh, that, that's exactly an example. Like he's way down like the hierarchy of the Andy Reid coaching tree, like objectively from where they were a few years ago, and now he's like the favorite for a coaching position. That's kind mm. of there's a, there's there's big talk about him to the Mazungus because of them liking Alex Smith and him apparently having some growing influence there or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the one that like I'd be interested to see would be like maybe they go to because I think the I think the owner he used to be a partial owner in the Steelers, so maybe they go to somewhere from the from the Steelers tree there. So like pinching someone from their current staff or like I don't I don't think um, what's his name the um, he was the offensive coordinator and he was the head coach of the Chiefs for a while as well. And he was down with the Browns most recently. Yeah, so like some of the other names you'd probably hear are people like, like I said, college coaches like Lincoln Riley, obviously being associated a lot with these kind of, um, and maybe Greg Roman is kind of one of those people who's getting hype. And obviously, if they if they are planning to keep, like they're obviously not planning to keep Cam, but if they actually end up with, if, if they're okay with the contingency of Cam still being on that, then a head coach like Greg Roman, who's obviously had so much success running the kind of running quarterback type of system, mm. um, might be an interesting candidate. But obviously, since they're moving away from Cam, I think that's less likely with him. Yeah, no, of course, of course. So that's a couple of ones that they could look at. Um, and I think we'll probably be looking more at coaches as we get towards, uh, you know, uh, is it Black Monday is... January second or something this year. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll get fired before that. <laughs> it's like Black Sunday evening, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's be true. Uh, next question is: Is the biggest indictment of the lack of depth in the AFC that the Duck Hodges Steelers are currently on course for the wild card? Um, no, because no. you know we've seen the line between the Steelers being playoff relevant and it's the line between Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So um, like the the Steelers, like we, like the Steelers defense has been really good this year. So they're just like one of those classic six seed AFC teams where the defense is carrying a, a mediocre offense, probably below mediocre offense in this case. Um, So they're not that much different from like when the Dolphins got in a couple of years ago, even that Terod Taylor builds team, um, maybe they're a little bit worse than that, but like, you know, when I look at them and I look at the other team that they're competing against, realistically, the Titans, 
both of them had changes in the middle of the season. Both of them are kind of solid, decently coached teams, but yeah. neither of them are very exciting overall. Um, this is the thing. Like, I like, I, I actually, I don't expect the Steelers to make it because I think the Titans will probably be able to 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 keep at their pace. And the Bills aren't like either the Bills or the Patriots are taking one of the wild card spots. So then yeah. there's only one they're going for. And I, I just still don't rank this team at all. Like, I just and to be honest, like. The Steelers, uh, I'd rather take the Steelers or the Titans right now over the Cowboys or the Eagles, especially the Eagles. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Like, not no question at all about that. Um, and then finally, there's another question about... Uh, <laughs> yeah. The final question is, do we need to adjust the IR rules to allow more players to come in? Uh, I don't know who this was, but they had a Philly uh, picture, so I'm guessing this is to do with wide receivers. So... Uh, <laughs> Yes, I like to be honest. Yeah, I think I think there should be changes made to the IR rules. Uh, like I don't know why you can only have two or three players that you can designate to return. Like I should, I assume you could probably have more and then not have a major issue. I think maybe you need to adjust it so that there's a like an independent like we, medical we know oversight. The real reason. It's because owners are cheap and they don't want to pay more players. Basically, um, they want. They don't want to like because like the NFL is realistically such an attritional game that a 53 man roster isn't really enough to prevent injuries and basically having to put players where they don't don't need to be and kind of all that kind of situation. Um, but the you know the owners don't want to pay for it and the players aren't going to give it going to take a pay cut to uh, like allow other players to come into the system. Um, but yeah, objectively, like there's no real reason why injury shouldn't be done on a come in come out basis and teams should have a bigger roster to allow that to be more or just allow teams to have a bigger roster and not have to worry about the IR system in, in the first place. Yeah. The only, the only thing that I'll put as an addendum to this is that, uh, yes, you can extend those rosters. The problem is, as we quite often see, it's not always that many people who are good enough to be taking up the roster spots. So yes, you might be able to have a couple more players in there, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be certain that they're going to be better than like JJ or Sega Whiteside or whoever you've got catching passes. Oh yeah, you know? it's, not, it's not going to help your team much. It'll just prevent, <clears throat> you know, ridiculous situations where you don't have anyone out there. Yeah. When, 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 when you reach the point that due to the, due to the roster restrictions and injuries, your backup quarterback might be taking snaps as your like X receiver, then you have a slight issue happening on that team. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll come back to some more of that in the off-season, but we'll move over now and take a look at our picks for next week. Okay, so we'll fly through these fairly quickly. First up, Thursday Night Football, Jets at Baltimore. Uh, there's no real question here, is it's Baltimore. Yeah, I think the only... I think there's, like as I said, like a small knock on uh, Lamar there they're, they're looking at, but even if they I were reckon, playing I reckon RG3, this team with RG3 could yeah. still beat the Jets but, uh, team. Jets are okay, but they're not great. Uh, Chicago, Green Bay, we're both going for Green Bay. I could I could kind of, after the last performance, see Chicago doing an okay-ish job. And I, like I said, Green Bay, like, they let that... Uh, they let the... Pardon? Let the Mazungus... Yeah, they let the Mazungus, like, go at them and... You know, Chicago's got a running back. They've got a good defense. But I suppose the loss of Roquan Smith is probably the big difference here. Yeah, I think Green Bay, like, maybe they're holding their cards a little bit close to their chest. Or they're still kind of figuring things out to a certain extent. And so you, you still believe in the flower? Uh, I think I think, I think Green Bay on their day are definitely capable of being one of the best teams in the league. It's just that they haven't been 
doing that recently. But uh, I think this will be an interesting challenge for them. As we say, Chicago are on a bit of a run. But uh, I think in Lambeau, you usually expect if it's a close game, Green Bay can pull it out. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, New England at Cincinnati. We're both going for New England. Well, look, they've got the tape on them. Yeah. <laughs> the, <tape's out. laughs> uh, the tape is in the hands of Cincinnati, though. Uh, just uh, that's where that is. In the, Cincinnati have the original tape, apparently. So mm, uh, we'll see what they end up saying. They're such an incompetent I'm not, like, I'm not, not as good. Like, like digital video is notoriously difficult to copy and paste. Yeah, like their own, their own, like their owner Brian will probably like uh, will inadvertently destroy it, and you're like, it's conspiracy. No, it's just like their owner's a complete idiot, and he's running a terrible organization. And yeah, New England yeah. will win. This is a nice game for New England. Another onto Cincinnati moment for them here, probably. Yeah, this is this is a perfect spot for them to try out and try and get some rapport going with some of those younger wide receivers. Uh, Seattle at Carolina. We've both gone for Seattle in this one. Yeah, Carolina are just hot garbage at the moment. Yeah, like they have run CMC, but no one else in the team is doing anything. And the run defense is horrible, and Seattle love running the ball. So, yeah, yeah. I, I expect this to be not a very fun game, but Seattle should be able to grind it out. No, of course. Houston at Tennessee. This is an interesting one. So we've both gone for Houston. I'm intrigued because Tennessee play Houston twice now in these last three games. Yeah. So they could make a run at their division. Yeah, so I think that 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 that's an interesting thing. I think we just don't trust the Tennessee Titans. Mm. Um, plus, even with the Tannehill, uh, the Tannehill Renaissance or whatever you want to call it, the, the Tannehill uh, Nation, um, he, you know, they're just a little bit. They're not still that exciting. Derrick Henry's fun to watch when he gets going, though he has a bit of a knock. Apparently, the defense is fine. They have a couple of nice players there. Um, and the rookie Jeffrey on the defensive line to be pretty nice. But yeah, like I think it's the Texans on their day, the Texans are capable of being one of the best teams in the league. We saw that against New England. Um, it's just that lack of consistency that's an issue. Um, so I think I'm going to trust the Texans more. Like they're both eight and five. They're both very similar teams, but they're kind of similar, the same record, but I suppose from different perspective. Titans are like a more trenches team where Houston are superstar team and I think after a, a pretty humbling loss uh, for Houston I think they'll pull out the stops all like, once again here to kind of maximize their talent and if they do that I think Tennessee should be in trouble because I think Tennessee if they go behind a lot and can't rely on Henry in the second half they haven't really been tested that much on that um Though maybe Tannehill could end up showing up in that case, but yeah. we'll trust yeah. Houston for now. Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 contemplate this one for the next day or two by possibly even swapping. So I, because I think I think Houston would be happy with with halving this uh, if they lose away and, and win at home or whatever. But uh, we'll see. Because so was winning now means they might be able to rest for the final game. Um, but yeah, we'll stick with Houston for now. Miami at the Giants. Don't bother watching this game. I've gone for the Giants. Ron's gone for Miami. Um, both teams yes. are bad. We had a team. We are, we are contractually obligated to pick a team. <laughs> Giants are at home, uh, kind of possibly farewell game or close to it for Eli, and they have to get him back to 500. Like, yeah, so. but it's, Fitzmagic, Fitzmagic doesn't care for your rules and conventions. Fitzmagic does what he wants, and if Fitzmagic has to like, like recreate by himself the Miami miracle against New England last year, which I think the, the anniversary just passed this week. Um, yeah, it was lateral to himself to do that. Then Ryan Fitzpatrick will do that. Um, but yeah, like I just think Miami are just trying harder at the moment and 
that might might be enough at the moment. Mm, possibly. Uh, Philly at Washington. We've both gone for Philly. Uh, again, don't watch this game. It'll be awful. Um, I, I really don't care. No, there's no wide receivers in Philly. There's no offense in Washington. Uh, that'll do. Denver at Kansas City. Uh, we've both gone for Kansas City. I can see why. I also think, though, with Drew Locke, it'll be interesting to see. This is a much better-looking Denver team than the one that we beat earlier in the season. Yeah, and I Casey's defense has shown up and been better recently, so it'll mm. also be an interesting test for the the lock, the lock hype train, which is gathering steam as we speak. Mm. Um, I think Kansas Casey City, should let them win. If he's bad, they should let him win just to ensure that he stays <laughs> as their quarterback and that they like extend Elway. And I think you know for KC, this is an important test. They're back at Arrowhead. You know the offense has shown flashes but hasn't been consistent and I think they're just waiting for having a game or two before we get to the playoffs where they show off that level of explosiveness they had last year I know Patrick Mahomes has a couple of injuries he's dealing with um, but I just think this offense we know the potential we just want to see it a little bit and and Denver if their offense struggles uh, then it should be give some chance for that uh, I'm not quite willing to buy into the lock lock thing just yet, but I'm I'm on the cusp. If you can do it here, then 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 we'll get excited. No, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay at Detroit. We both got for Tampa Bay. The Lions are crap. Tampa Bay are, you know, mistake prone but enjoyable to watch. Although the lack of Mike Evans might give you some pause for concern. You got to imagine Godwin's going to have a big game. Yeah, um, or Brashad Perryman. I think like they they have one good defensive back, Detroit, so they might put him on Godwin. But uh, yeah, like I think Tampa Bay. This is the kind of game that they can win quite easily because they'll just go. Well, we'll just score forty points. So unless you throw three pick sixes, then Detroit with Blau aren't going anywhere. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, Cleveland at Arizona. Both come for Cleveland. Um, Ugh, who cares? Again, I just They're don't care about this game. Mediocre and bad and. Yeah, I'm interested to see where they will be next year, but right now they're pointless. Mm, yeah, uh, Jacksonville, Oakland, both going for Oakland. Uh, Jacksonville have not looked good in the they're last off. couple they're, they're weeks. They're the worst. They're the worst team in the league, just, and Oakland. Because it's not like it's not like there's like a huge amount of very big notable injuries that have happened, and they've now gone back to them. But yeah, I just think I think maybe it's just the coaching staff know that they're out, and they've just yeah. kind of lost the will. Yeah, and they had I think they had a moment with Minshew, and then they benched him, and then folds his shit. And that just kind of undermines it probably even further. But whatever. They're no, they're on the dance slope and you know, probably a nice nice like pick me up for Oakland at home because obviously running out of chances to to mm. impress the black hole. Yeah, Minnesota at the Chargers. Uh we've both gone for Minnesota. Yeah. But but Chargers are below five hundred and they're gonna finish below five hundred. Yeah, I think the Chargers, like, on their day can give you fits and they can be difficult to play. But I think Minnesota, you know, they are a better team overall. I think Cousins has been pretty solid the last few months. And, uh, you know, it would be very Minnesota and Kirk Cousins to lose this game. But yeah, I think I think you have to favor Minnesota just because the Chargers are just way too inconsistent mm. for them. Rams at Dallas, we've both gone for Rams. Look, the Dallas have been shit in the bed and the Rams have looked good the last two weeks. So Yeah, but... It, pretty important game overall like this is yeah. the rams are desperate to get stay in the, the number six uh seed hunt the dallas are obviously looking to hold serve against philly who will probably win this week um they'll know that by this point because it'll be at, at the late window um they should still try and win though yeah well yes uh the rams 
But yeah, as, as we saw against the Seahawks and even last week before that, the Rams are getting back into their groove. They're putting God Gurley back at the center of their offense. They're kind of mixing things up. I think Jared Goff is still prone to throw an interception or two. Uh, he still looks pretty bad, but I think the system is getting back to being more efficient. They've added enough wrinkles to it, maybe, that hasn't been figured out again, and against the Dallas defense, which has been doing nothing, it could very easily turn into a track meet, and Dallas have a chance there, but I think the Rams right now just feel like they're there on the upswing, and Dallas are, are in a slump. And, no, 100%. and then, like, like given, given that our, great, our biggest criticism of the Rams has been, you know, that Goff makes mistakes and will throw interceptions, going up against a Dallas defense that it just looks completely nothing like the talent on paper, like, it's a, it's a nice matchup for them. I don't see them surprising them too much. Atlanta and San Francisco, both going for San Francisco, like, San Fran are... Like definitely top three team this year. Offense looks really good. Defense looks great. They've got a couple of injuries, but this Atlanta team have lost one of their wide receivers. They've lost a couple of defensive pieces, and they've been on the slide for the last little while. I think um, I think that's been perhaps the most interesting thing about this game. It's like hey, obviously we want to see if San Francisco can win, but I think just they, you know, Atlanta are a very flawed team and have at times been awful this year, but I think their offense has consistently put up yards, consistently been productive. Mm-hmm. So it'll be just an interesting, like, heat check on the San Francisco defense after the ripping they got from New Orleans this last week. Are we seeing a slump in the form of this defense? Um, like, the offense should be good enough to win this game, even if that does happen, but I think going into the playoffs, obviously, the, with the better teams there, the identity of the San Francisco team could be shifting before our eyes right now. And Atlanta are an interesting test of that, just the way that they're they're structured as a team uh, in terms of being offense first and their defense being pretty pretty naff usually. Um, so I think San Francisco, obviously, they're going to be in the playoffs, but we're kind of keeping an eye on these teams because obviously we expect them to be playing quite deep into January. Yeah, no, of course. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, huge impact on this one for the, uh, the wildcard race. Uh, Buffalo... Still in the hunt for the uh, AFC West and Pittsburgh striving to get that wild card spot. We've both gone for Buffalo, though. Uh, is it just want Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. <laughs> um, no, I, I think to a certain extent because of Buffalo, I think we saw against Baltimore that they didn't fold against one of the better teams. Mm-hmm. They put up a solid performance. And I think... Yes, their offense is incredibly inconsistent, but I think Devin Singletary is showing some of why people were excited about him in the preseason. I think Josh Allen, very inconsistent. You can't trust him, but he is capable of having those kind of games where he just does ridiculous things on the ground and in the air. They are a big play offense if they can get that going, if he can stay accurate. Um, and I think Buffalo just have that upside. And obviously, we also really want them to knock off the Patriots, let's be honest. That's, that's, that's the major thing we want to happen for the rest of the oh, season. Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Except for, like, getting seeding for our respective teams. But, like, if Buffalo could knock off the Patriots for the AFC East, that would be amazing. Um, oh, class. Like, Pittsburgh are, like, they're both kind of similar teams, like, defense-first teams, inconsistent offenses. But I think Buffalo are, are right now maybe a little bit better version of that. So we'll give the advantage even in the Steelers' hometown. Oh, of course. I wonder what the, uh, what the, the um, head-to-head seeding implications are for us versus Buffalo instead of New England because we've now got the game over New England. That's an interesting one I must look up to see structurally, which is a well, better chance of Chiefs getting a bye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, that would be interesting. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be going over the, the permutations in the next couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, we will. And Indianapolis at New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. Indianapolis are a husk. 
Yeah, like it, it, like Indianapolis, this is one of those years where the injuries have been and the retirements, etc., have been so devastating and the missed field goals. Like they're they're a good team, they're well coached, but yeah, all the, all the dice have rolled against them, and New Orleans um, should be able to roll over them pretty easily in the Superdome. Mm-hmm. No problem. At all. So yeah, so I suppose we will wrap up at that. Um, any crack for the next few days or? Uh, work Christmas party on Thursday, uh, which oh, means yeah. they get Friday off by default. Like I think, I think they booked it too late, which is why it's on a Thursday. But positive externality, Friday off. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I work for a small company, it's a nice kind of like familial atmosphere. So um, it's it's a it's a work from home day in inverted commas. Uh, <laughs> uh, but other than that, then start the planning for when to shift back to Cavan, do the uh, you know the mandatory. Uh, mother judy uh you know make sure mm, of course, of she course. remembers that i exist uh and well no she always remembers like this but you know reassure that you know, you know everyone can be at christmas for a little bit but uh yeah other than that probably pretty quiet maybe you know just kind of do some christmasy stuff maybe a little bit of shopping but uh yeah the christmas party will probably require a day of recovery regardless yeah, I think at our age we normally do need at least uh, at least a day's recovery yeah. after a big one like that. So uh, you get a big meal with it in our Christmas parties. It's not as bad, but it's still. Oh, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's much in the way of Christmas parties planned down here. But uh, yeah, we'll have like well, you know we're getting set up for what a week or so away from us uh, landing back into Ireland. So it'll be uh, it'll be great fun. It'll be uh, hopefully yeah. by the time you get back, the weather has picked up because right now there's been. I think a storm just this weekend gone by and another storm warning this weekend. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully it's a little bit better by the time you get back. Interesting. <laughs> nice frosty Christmas, maybe, you know. Yeah, it'd be good. Uh, I'm kind of half holding out on buying a jacket here, even though it's been raining and cold, because I'm like, well, I'll be home in like eight days and I have jackets there. There's no need yeah. to buy a jacket now. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I might I might end up breaking and just buying it, or at least buying an umbrella, because it's, it's starting to get very... Very Irish pissy rain here actually at the moment, which is That's kind of too much to kind of ignore basically. Yeah, but no. Uh, so I suppose that'll wrap up for now. So uh, as always, get your questions into us on Facebook, uh, email, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. But uh, for the moment, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week. Bye.